0: Talk
1: to me. WSRadio.com
0: Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier.
2: And welcome as always. Thank you for joining us. If you want to reach us, there are many ways you can do that. You can call us at 866-WS-RADIO, which is 866-977-2346. You can get us at Mark and Marsha on Twitter, Mark and Marsha at Gmail, Marsha Collier at Gmail, hashmark all your uh, posts at hashmarktechradio.
0: Make it easy, Radio on Twitter. We love to hear from you live during the show right
2: uh we do we would love to do that and we got a great show for you today uh marcia i know you've probably got something i'm leaving early today so you i'm sure you've got something lined i
0: got up. dr mac
2: oh you got bob Levitis with us great uh, bob is terrific and uh, let me introduce my guest uh andy was on my kbc show a number of years ago and uh let me give you a little bit about andy's background i studied for his phd at some school mit have you heard of that one marcia
0: uh, vaguely, yeah. yeah That's a, where the some, smart people go. Some
2: small school. Did research for the Jet Propulsion Laboratories on the Marge Ro- uh, Mars Rover Project and developed this little company called Naughty Dog, which came out with the game Crash Bandicoot. And I have to ask Andy. And Andy, welcome to the show, first of all. Uh, hi. It's great
3: to be here. and Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you. Is it? Uh, here's the age-old question that I haven't known for 10 years. Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot? Koot, that's could. what I thought. Okay, that's what I've always like said.
3: Yeah. In Japan, Crash Bandicoot, because they can't say T the end
2: <that's> uh, uh, and, and, I mean, Andy and, and Naughty Dog sold, what is it, about a billion dollars worth of gaming? Is that right?
3: Probably pretty close. We sold like 40, 45 million uh, copies of Crash Bandicoots and Jack and Daxter's. And then Naughty Dog has continued on after I left and sold lots and lots of Uncharted's, too.
2: Yeah, I I mean it really is a it's been a great company and the series has been a wonderful series, v- a lot of fun, graphics are great and all. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about gaming today and where are we in gaming, where we're going. I had a chance a, a couple of months ago to interview the author of a book called The Art of Video Games. I don't know if you've seen it, Andy. No, I haven't read that one. It's a great, I mean it's very visual, pictures of of the early games going forward. So, how does a guy who's working on uh Mars ends up pl- creating video games
3: i actually started with games Ah. like in a lot of ways like i got into computers like because of video games like uh i first got a computer or came into contact one in 1980 but like i had been into arcade games and you know the atari and stuff like that beforehand and into dungeons and dragons and stuff when i sort of met the computer it was like love at first sight because ooh, this could be like the Dungeon Master. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's alive, you know. Uh, And it's kind of the closest thing to being a wizard because, like, there are incantations and most people didn't really, like, get them. But if you said them, the computer kind of did what you wanted. And it had a very defined rule set. And it rewarded, like, spending a lot of time on it.
2: So did you get beat up a lot in in junior high and high school?
3: Uh, Until, like, maybe, like, freshman year. And then I put on, like... Forty pounds
2: and like uh, that went away <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- you know talk to us a little bit about the state of video gaming today. I mean it, it you know from when the original atari and and we had uh, nolan Bushnell in studio uh, you know a number of years ago too, and we were talking about the creation and the father of video games and video gaming has changed it's become a dynamic business with you know millions of online players and all kinds of things. Where do you see video gaming today?
3: I mean, I think there's a bunch of different, like, big, like, sort of, factions going right now uh, in video gaming. It's in transition. Like, you have this sort of, what's become of the classic console uh, and PC gaming, which are these, like, very big, beautiful, expensive, high-production titles, like, Naughty Dog Games fall in this category, like Uncharted 3, and... They cost millions of dollars, well tens of millions of dollars. They involve minimum team sizes of like 150 people. Uh, The production values are like awesome, and they're really done like like movies, but it has its own art to it, uh, distinct from from movies. Although there's some overlapping uh, skills, and they're sold kind of monolithically at the moment for like monolithically. He's a smart
2: guy. He, he uses big words. You know, you
3: buy the whole thing. And right. then you've got these new upstore categories of gaming uh, which are already kind of huge and operate on very different models. You've got mobile gaming sort of led by in a lot of ways by like the, the app store on iOS, mm-hmm. where you buy games really cheaply. Often like one ninety nine or ninety nine cents or free. And uh, you play them in little dribs and drabs, and they're sort of more uh, hook-driven and with a lot less depth, uh, but kind of fun and lightweight because the investment in playing is very high for a big, uh, for a big high-production game. Like they're they're big, you know, they're big and involved and complicated with a lot of controls and options, and because it's just kind of like everything has gone more and more and more in the big games. And so these more snack-sized little games. And then you have even more uniquely, even in both at a mobile arena and at an online, you have a lot of games where they're often free to play, and you kind of buy things in the game mm-hmm. or they're advertising sponsored. Uh, and uh, their whole mechanics are very different. They're more social and, like, organic and more about, like, coming repeatedly a couple times a day for very small jabs, and less about, like, Core gameplay and big production, and then on like Facebook, you have a lot of those as well, and and, on, and those things are newer, and like it's really not known how that's all going to shake out, and the big package companies like EA and Activision stuff don't not really know how to get their head around those new categories. Uh, they don't know how to like because in the mobile space, you have to develop things cheaply and quickly. Uh, companies like EA don't know how to do things cheaply.
2: Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
3: like. They do a good job of certain kinds of games, like uh, like the next Madden, you know. But they don't how to do little things quickly and cheaply. Uh, they're not that agile, and the, the they have institutionalized sort of sales and marketing forces which are opposed to change. Like they're used to selling things the the box model. The sales guys make commissions for like the sales to big chain stores, and like retail for software is dying. I mean, like the the numbers are, are you know probably down, but the writing is on the wall. I mean, everyone's going to download everything like mm-hmm. in a few years, and so selling them on discs is like an old model. But yet, big sales departments and companies like that, they can't get their head around that, and they're they just stick their head they just stick it ahead in the sand instead, and they sort of like sabotage any internal change that leads to different business models because they're afraid of losing their sort of cash cow.
0: Well, you know, it's funny, Andy. It was just announced a few days, maybe yesterday, I think, that BioWare is expanding the ending sequence to Mass Effect 3 because the players gave such negative feedback. Did you hear about that?
3: No, I hadn't heard about that one, but that's a typical kind of thing because the feedback in this new online world the, feed, the feedback loop is much more intensive between things, and products are like can be patched and downloaded and are rarely sort of, like, finished. I hear about that from my friends at, at Naughty Dog, like, that it used to be that when the game really shipped in its last territory, you know, say, like Crash 3 or something, you were basically done with it, barring some catastrophic problem.
0: Exactly, exactly.
3: Yeah, you did have to do the different territories and stuff, but, like, the... but. They're still patching, you know, the Uncharted, and they have a separate little sub-team to, like, deal with those content patches and bug fixes in there and uh, and more subscription model type games like World of Warcraft or whatever, or, you know, multi-year ongoing things with a lot of active development on what's essentially a fairly old game.
2: Now, you were talking about Uncharted, which actually, the whole series has been one of my favorite series for the last few years. I think it's just got pretty much every element you would want. Graphically, it's beautiful. The gameplay is fun. The voice acting is terrific. But there's a lot of development in a game like that.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hard get... to make. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's like a... I mean, first of all, Uncharted is like a mo- Each one of them, particularly two and three, are like a movie. Like, if yes. you just took the movie parts of it and you snipped out the gameplay, it's probably like three hours. Two and a half hours, or something like that, uh, and you actually edited it together with certain amounts of the gameplay, so that you could like follow it and watch it like a movie. Mm-hmm. It's on par with like it may not be the original Raiders of the Lost Ark in terms of, of quality, but it's probably better than National Treasure. Oh, <laughs> like <laughs> that, that was a terrible I mean, with, one. in terms of production quality right. and writing and acting and you know, like what the what you go through as a, you know being with the characters. Sure. Uh, so I think actually Uncharted is the closest thing video games has to really like playing a movie yet or playing a real, like the among the most story driven video games. Some video games are not really story driven at all.
2: No, this is it's a it's a, a, just an amazing game, I have to say. And I've been playing and Marcia too, I've been playing video games back to the old Sierra days, you know, King's Quest and, and games like this.
3: I used to but love a lot of Sierra games. I played most of the old eighties ones.
2: Oh yeah, they were terrific games, but you know now, as you say, now you're you're really watching a movie and playing and interacting with a movie. What we only got about a minute left, so Andy, I hope you can stay with us because we want to talk some more. No problem. Um, What does it cost to develop a game like Uncharted?
3: Uh, I don't know their specific numbers, but like generally, a game at that production level would be like north of fifty million dollars. Wow. (laughs) uh, The just due to people like. And they have like 150 people over there, roughly, plus a lot of contractors and stuff. And those people have salaries, and the games take two years, and you know they're they're not cheap employees. Like if you if you add up those multiples, and plus insurance and desks and phones and computers and whatever, it comes a lot of money.
2: Yeah, I, it just really is amazing. When we come back, Marcia, you chime in. I know Marcia's favorite game is uh, Zelda, right? Zelda. Marcia? Zelda. Zelda. Uh,
0: By the way, Andy, I tweeted out the link to that Mass Effect release. I think you'll find it interesting. That's
2: all. All right, and you can find Andy on Twitter at ASGavin. Uh, he's on Twitter. And uh, when we come back and talk some more about what Xbox, PlayStation, you know, Nintendo, who wins. We'll be right back.
0: This is Marcia Collier. I'm here with Mark Cohen, and we're on WS Radio the worldwide leader in Internet talk. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier.
3: Love to read but just don't have the time. With Audible.com, you can catch up on reading simply by listening.
0: Welcome back to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier.
3: And if
2: you want to call us, you can get us at 866-977-2346. We're talking to Andy Gavin, who is the um, co-founder of a a terrifically prolific video game company called Naughty Dog, creator of uh, Crash Bandicoot. And uh, Marsha, you wanted to ask a question about Xbox?
0: yeah I wanted you know from Andy from your insights and, and since you're so close to the industry, we hear about a new Xbox coming out. What do you think it's going to add to it, and do you think that Microsoft is going to get closer to their whole home integration that that they wanted so long ago?
3: Uh, the it, it uh, now I don't actually because I'm not actively doing any developer development or under you know, one of Microsoft's NDAs, I don't have access to any.
0: Well, even if you did, you couldn't, see early, anything. And, and did, couldn't an say anything. That's why it's an I
3: don't, you know, I can just sort of speculate <laughs> on like general trends. Uh, one of the trends that, like, long run, I mean, obviously like new machines tend to have like more memory, more horsepower, or better graphics, like, cause that stuff just generally updates. Uh, I think they're also probably going to be trending towards at some point and probably not in this generation or not for Microsoft, losing the optical drive and pro- and losing a hard drive. those are expensive components and doing
0: like, it all in the cloud then
3: yeah the I mean they'll probably have static uh, in a lot of ways like you know my latest MacBook has no hard drive and no optical drive either mm-hmm. like they'll have a big chunk of static RAM or whatever uh the for like caching stuff that's like being downloaded, but I don't think that and this is pure speculation that Microsoft is like ready to to ditch the optical drive just yet because like uh they haven't like moved their their business model towards downloading whole games like uh, that aggressively. And I actually often wondered why. Like, they sort of, I think, of underutilized Xbox Live, uh, like, arcade, part, like, you know, personally, I th- thought for years it should have been more like Steam. Right. And, more aimed at just selling direct and downloading, like in the, you know, like Apple with the App, app Store model and even doing it with big application software and stuff is pre that. Like, occasionally in talking to them, they seem to have some, a kind of paranoia about, like, bandwidth and d- download times. Uh, but I don't think that's really that big an obstacle, particularly if you if you engineer things properly from the beginning in a new, new generation. You could do... St- games could fairly easily be designed to, like, kind of load in chunks, and you just have to get the first chunk to start playing, and then, like, different levels and segments of it kind of stream in.
2: You know, they came about uh, PlayStation Portable. Tried that with the—I can't remember what the model number was. Where you couldn't there were you couldn't insert discs. There was no hard drive. You just well, no, I'm sorry, there was a hard drive. You downloaded everything down. And then when they came out with their next generation, they had eliminated that. You could yeah, still-
3: well, you need the infrastructure to match, and that's one of the things like in its own sort of sneaky way, uh, like Apple has gotten themselves into, and it's not is exactly pertaining to to gaming, but it is software, uh, and. Has to do with the model of selling software is that they, you know, they started with iTunes and uh, and music downloading and purchase and and loading, mm-hmm. and then this the popularity of that in the iPod like got them in into this ecosystem where they had the the devices like talking to iTunes like it then as it expanded into the iPhone and like. Uh, that leveraged them into the iPhone, so they already had an easy communication. Because one of the biggest problems with smartphones and stuff before that was the uh, the difficulty of actually getting your stuff to and from them. It right. was just horrendous. Like, only tech guys could do it. Like, you had the serial cable and this terrible synchronization software and all this stuff. So iTunes made that pretty easy. And then once all the phones were connected to iTunes, like, Rolling apps and books and other and movies and stuff into the the app store it became easier and easier, and they've built up. Because now they've been slowly shifting that to being some like cloud based, but it's sort of like analogous because it already has the user pathways, like people being used to using it a particular way and having that account and the connection and stuff like that. Like Microsoft has, you know, Xbox Live accounts and the credit card information and that kind of stuff, but. It, it, like they haven't been as willing to abandon the old uh, as I mean that's something about Steve Jobs, like whatever you feel about his personality <laughs> uh, that he was not stuck with the way, like r- with the way things were like that didn't really concern him so much. he saw the way they could be, and a lot of times c- companies get over distracted by the way things are and not where they could be going.
2: Yeah, interesting. Well, all right. So let's go back a little bit to the gaming. You know, the game that I guess you're probably best known for at this point would be Crash Bandicoot. Where did that come from? Where's the name from?
3: Well, the uh, the I was actually just writing a blog post on this this morning, and I have a, a real long series on my blog, uh, which is andy-gavin.com. I have like like 700 articles, and a lot of them on making Crash Bandicoot and stuff. Mm-hmm. But The essential Crash Bandicoot story is kind of two parts. It has to do with the gameplay idea and and then the sort of plot and setting idea. Like, when my partner Jason Rubin and I were driving across country in 94, we had the idea to take one of our favorite game genres, the platform game, and specifically kind of the Donkey Kong Country Mm -hmm. flavor of that, which is a very, very refined, channeled kind of balanced gameplay style. And put it in 3D. Like, because all these other games, like virtual fighting and virtual racing, had like sort of been, other genres have been going 3D, and no one had done that for platform games. Seemed kind of hard. Uh, and, uh, we were trying to imagine what it would be like, and the, uh, but we had that gameplay idea, and that's, that's the core of all games is your gameplay idea. And then, like, within about a few, a few weeks, like, we kind of had the idea to try to, make a world that was, like, very much based on sort of Looney Tunes cartoon feel. Yeah. We hired some real cartoon designers. Uh, and uh, we wanted to sort of sell the characters through animation and to, to like, take over an existing, like, animal. And that's where the, the Bandicoot came. And we, we got these books on obscure mammals. <laughs> like, we had this Tasmanian field guide and we found the mm-hmm. Bandicoot. And the... We liked it because he had a cool name, and he was kind of cute, but like no one really, you probably may have heard of him and that he was an animal, or sounded like right. an animal, but people didn't really have any idea of what it looked like. So we had the idea that if we could make Crash the Bandicoot, like we could sort of hijack the name, uh, which actually proved to work quite well.
2: Yeah, it's like sort of a terrific game.
3: So, so that's kind of where he went, and in this sort of cartoon world, like the villain, like Dr. Cortex came very quickly, I remember a particular lunch, uh, where we came up with him. And it was sort of natural to have this evil genius who is like too smart for his own good and he's like goofy and he's got the silly henchman And it sort of borrows most of the cartoon tropes. Uh, and like once that whole cartoon world was kind of like gelled, like all the, you try to throw elements in it and crash bandicootize them very <laughs> easily. It's like, well, he's got like, you know, mutated animal henchmen. We need you know, let's look through the book and find one. Ooh, the Potteroo. Pinstripe Potter, uh, so maybe we'll make him a mob boss and like, put him in a pinstripe uh, suit. Uh, it was called pinstripe, the Pinstripe Potter. Right, sure. And like, we'll give him a Tommy gun. You know, That's kind of in keeping with that sort of late 30s, 40s vein right, sure. of cartoons. And it just kind of snowballed like that. Every, it was very easy to crash bandicootize any idea and fit it in. I mean, certain things wouldn't totally work, but a lot of stuff really fit in that cartoon world pretty easily.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean it's really a terrific game. We only got about two minutes left, so if you're on a desert island and you can only take one gaming system with you and a couple of games that don't include your own, of course, because you get to take those for free. Where do I do you get take an in- internet connection? Uh, and you got an internet connection? Yeah.
3: Well, I'd probably actually choose a PC because I like uh, MMOs and like I tell you, Diablo and World of Warcraft and MMOs a lot and stuff. Like, plus they have the biggest bang for the buck. Right. Uh, in terms of, like, time playing. And most of those are best on the PC because of the keyboard and stuff, although they have their issues. but
2: Yeah, so uh, where are we heading in the future real quickly? I mean, get more gaming to come, or is the industry dying?
3: Oh, I think the industry is here to stay, and gaming is a fundamental, like, entertainment form. The mediums and the methods of delivery, I think, will continue to mutate as technology changes and people how people use and interact with machines will change. I mean, I suspect we'll see a lot more things where you don't, where you download them. They're not necessarily monolithic. They may be in installments or you may be free to play and you buy little chunks or, or features in them. Like, uh, I don't think gaming is going anywhere. And like the basic genre of games will continue to play involved. there'll still be driving games and still be shooting games and still be football games right? until people don't care about football. It yeah. doesn't seem like any soon, so... <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Well, not in Los Angeles, apparently. <laughs> we don't care. And your your favorite game of all time? We only got about 40 seconds left.
3: Uh, Probably World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's a great game. I'm burnt out on it now. and don't really actually <laughs> play, but I did play it an insane amount.
2: Yeah, I think everybody... Well, Andy, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. And uh, give us your Twitter uh, name again.
3: Uh, at A-S-Gavin, G A V I N So A and... S G A V I N.
2: And then also, do you have a website or your blogs? Give this. Yeah, out. I
3: have a big website with hundreds of articles on gaming and fantasy and stuff, and, and that's andy-gavin.com. gavin
2: Terrific. Well, thank you. Hope to talk to you in the future, and uh, thanks for making some really cool games. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, Eddie. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Marsha, when we come yeah. back... Uh, we'll do the buy of the week. I'm leaving early today, so I think we'll do the buy of the week when we come back. And I know we've got a lot of stuff to do, and uh, you can tell us what's on for the 1 o'clock hour. So. I'll
0: tell you what I did last week.
2: Oh, yes, please do. And i got to talk to you about Warhol, of course. I just saw it at the Amundsen. Wow. We'll be right back.
0: This is Marcia Collier, and I'm here with Mark Cohen, and we're on WS Radio, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier.
4: Are your salespeople running at the speed of the Internet? Are you providing the tools they need to compete? Bjorn Stansvik from MentorMate has a solution for increasing the effectiveness of your workforce. The most common problem we see our clients facing is that their salespeople don't have time for learning. IQPAC provides an adaptable mobile learning solution to help your sales force easily master the knowledge to compete effectively. Go to IQPAC.com, that's K.com to learn more.
1: We all need a healthier lifestyle. The stresses of the day take their toll, and the lack of a healthy plan and activities make it that much harder to stay fit. Better Bodies by Chemistry makes it easy for you to maintain a healthy lifestyle and reach your fitness goals by working for you. Combining the best of science and nature, including organics, our vitamins and supplements support and improve your health, all at a great value. Better Bodies by Chemistry also provides tools for women to inspire each other to reach their goals. Whether you need new weight loss solutions or super omega-3 vitamins, we have different nutritional supplements that will work best for your health, heart, and immune system. You can achieve a healthy lifestyle that is realistic no matter how busy and full your life is. And with Better Bodies by Chemistry products, you're assured of the finest quality at a great price. Learn more at betterbodiesbychemistry.com.
2: Are you an adventurous wine drinker? Would you enjoy trying a bold red with dark fruit and a spicy finish from Hungary? Or an amphora-style chivi with layers of complex flavors? Carpathian Wines hand-selects extraordinary wines from premier Central European wineries. At carpathianwines.com, you'll find amazing dry whites, big juicy reds, even the famous Tokaya Azú. Discover award-winning, limited-production wines from the heart of Central Europe. Find them only at carpathianwines.com.